Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey everyone, Leva Leone from Chastain, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Metal up! Hi, my name's Chip Snuff from Enough Snuff, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Will Warner, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast, episode 454, recorded last Friday night with special guests Chip from Enough's Enough, Leather from Chastain, and Will of Walner Bain. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com. Use offer code slash, like the guitar player, the ex-guitar player of Guns N' Roses, S-L-A-S-H. Now, into the show. Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Talking Metal Live. This is Victor all the way in Spain. And over in New Jersey, we have Mark Striegel. Hey, guys. How are you? And in a few minutes, I just wanted to mention we will have John joining us. He had something he had to quickly take care of. He was actually on with us on Skype here before, but uh, he had some sort of emergency, which uh, is just basically how everything always goes for John. Just craziness going on in his life all the time. But he is joining us shortly. He should be here momentarily. We're starting a little early tonight just because it's such a jam-packed show. It is 8.55 East Coast time. And Victor, great job with the pre-show. I'm looking at our Twitter account right now. Thunder Ace VA just said digging the pre-show tunes on Twitter. So, uh, I saw you had a number of listeners checking in on the pre-show tonight, one of them being me, so good job with that. Cool. Uh, thanks, for, thanks to everyone for checking in and for all the uh, positive feedback. Have a blast putting those shows together, and uh, it was sort of difficult this time around out of so many albums to pick from, to pick one song uh, per decade, more or less, to uh, represent and play there, but I think 
for the most part, from the feedback that I got, a lot of people enjoyed what they were listening to. Absolutely. So, we have a lot of stuff going on tonight. We, why don't we run down all the guests that are on the show? Sure. We're going to kick things off with Leather Leone. She has just recently returned to the David T. Chastain Band after so many years. Yes, I spoke with her earlier this, this week, and she was a, a fun interview. It was nice to finally talk with her. Yeah, she's a, a great guest. I've spoken to her in the past, and she was a lot of fun to speak to. Um, we have Will Walner from Walner Vane and formerly of White Wizard also. He'll be checking in with us in a few minutes. And then someone from the Chicagoland area there. A little Chips Enough from Enough's Enough. That's right. I've been a long time Enough's Enough fan. I was in the Enough's Enough fan club back in 1989 when they first came out. And, you know, I was just flipping through the Martin Popoff book, which I do, you know, probably every other day reading some review of some band, the nineties edition of the Martin Popoff book. And he literally gave, I mean, there was probably like five or six albums that came out by enough's enough in the nineties. And he gave every one of them a good review. And I mean, you can say what you want about enough's enough, but the song writing from that band has just been phenomenal. And uh, I think they're such great songwriters. I really think their songs could transcend into any style of music from, you know, country to psychedelic, you know, 60s style to pop, you know, but they always chose to give it kind of a, a hard rock, even in, on some of those early records, metal edge. And uh, that, that's, that's what Enough's Enough was, you know, just a, a great hard rock band with great pop, hook, songwriting, sensibility, a little psychedelica mixed in there, here and there. Yeah, definitely. I remember seeing them and hearing them on the Howard Stern show all the time, Chip and, and Donnie V. And he always talked up how he was one of their favorite bands and how he didn't understand that how they weren't any bigger and always talked about their melodies and everything and compared them a lot to the Beatles. So that... You know, that right there, that type of comparison, you can't throw that out there with just anybody, so. Yeah, and I mean, obviously the Beatles were a big influence on them, I'd guess, and even Cheap Trick, you hear that, that influence, of course, too, and so so good. I also often wonder if, if the image that they had on, on the first record, you know, and in those videos, maybe even hurt them instead of help them, just because... In the late 90s, there was suddenly this backlash against any of the, the big hair, glammy bands, you know, who were celebrated in earlier years, like, you know, 1985-ish, that was such a, a popular look. And by the time we hit 1989, there already started to be kind of a turning of the tides against that look. And they had that look on their first album, and I, I often wondered... If, if if that actually maybe hurt them instead of helped them. What do you think, Victor? That's the good old Cinderella syndrome. Yeah. As a, right. That had Cinderella had a different look and name, that they would have probably been as big as the Black Crows. I've heard plenty of people mention that over the years. And, and that you make a good point because, you know, image 
unfortunately has a lot to do with how a band is presented and um that was the thing to do back then you know right so they got grouped in with a lot of other bands tesla's another one that comes to mind where they really had very little to do with that scene but because of when they came out they were really grouped into a box with all the la strip bands and these bands had a lot more to offer than you know your run-of-the-mill band that just had teased out hair and spandex and and this and that and and don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with that because there's a lot of bands that i listen to all the time that dress like that or had that look and you know it's just another slice of metal and it's another flavor that you can add to the uh you know to to the stew there it doesn't all have to be you know slayer all the time right but um you know i I think you make a fair point had they of maybe come out a few years later and just came out in jeans and you know t-shirts maybe enough's enough would have been one of the biggest bands of the 90s who knows i mean hard to say yeah like we're saying the the songwriting is there and for someone like Martin Popoff to um you know to speak so highly of them he doesn't do that with anyone or, yeah. or very just, few very few yeah. anyways let's get into right now my interview with Leather Leone now i had listened to a few interviews with her on other shows and some people called her Leather Leone some people people called her Leather Leone before the interview started i outright asked her which one she preferred and she told me either she uh, takes it both ways Leon or Leone so your pick guys Leather Leon or Leather Leone from Chastain she's back with them she was on a lot of the classic Chastain records David T. Chastain you think he get, took, took that T on because of Engve J. Malmsteen Victor Absolutely. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm of course, just, right? Too, yeah. Victor M. Ruiz. Well, that's part of it. Actually, it helps you when you, when you enter the U.S. that they don't confuse you with about a million other Victor Ruizes out there. So. Yeah. Anyways, this is classic Chastain right now with leather on vocals. This is Angel of Mercy off of Ruler of the Wasteland, featuring, again, Leather Leone from 1986, Right after this, we'll get into my interview with her.
Hey, this is Mark Striegel, and on the line, we have Leather Leone checking in with us. Leather, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks for the call. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks for talking with us. We want to first talk to you about what's going on right now. You have a great new record out with Justine called Surrender to No One, and this kind of marks your return. It doesn't kind of. It definitely marks your return to the Justine fold. How did you reconnect with David? You know, I've kind of always been in touch with David here and there, um, but I got in touch with him more through the Sledge Leather project that I did last year. I used his expertise and his advice thoroughly through that project, and it eventually led to our conversation of us creating music uh, together again, and we really took our time, and because, uh, you know, it had to be of a certain caliber, because I think we left on a pretty good note. So it just led to that. We took our time and wrote some songs to see what we could come up with, and we ended up being pretty happy with the material. So hence, Surrender to No One came to be, yeah. And can you tell us who else is working with you in the band, Chestine, right now? Yeah, well, we went back to the original uh, bass player, Mike Skimmerhorn, and it's funny, I always call him Skimmerman, but his name is Skimmerhorn. He's still in the Cincinnati area. He's still out there working with his band called The Mighty Swine. And again, him and David never lost touch, and we wanted to, you know, uh, get as back to the basics with the original Chastain as possible. But we incorporated a drummer from Norway named Stian Christofferson, who plays in a band called Pagan's Mind, and Firewind, I believe. He had been working with uh, Leviathan. So him and David do some writing together, and it just seemed like a really pretty cool fit for him to work on the new Chastain material with us, so it all worked out. And he sounds great, by the way. I mean, the drums wow. just sound amazing yeah, on the record. Totally They're recorded great. Drumming. Yeah. yeah, very, very good. In, in, a, in a way, almost brings your sound uh, into like a more modern metal feel. It absolutely does. I couldn't have said it better myself, Mark. He put that step forward because Chastain and I have this way of writing that's, you know, basically the same. So this drummer really brought us to the forefront of modern music. Yeah, I was really pleased with his work. And you mentioned writing with David. How, how does that work? Do you guys sit down in a room together and write? Or is... uh, I, I wish. I wish we lived in the same town. He sends me all his ideas, and I work with them and send them back. But you must understand that, you know, Chastain is like this prolific songwriter. He writes all the time, all day long. I don't really work that way. Um, I mean, he writes albums daily. So he had a few sets, groups of music that he would send to me, and we would pick and choose, and then I would... Some I would take from scratch, others I would work with his ideas, and, and that's how we do it. And we see whatever works the best, because I do like to try everything, and you know, my ego obviously kind of gets in there, and I want to try to do things my way, but many of the time, it doesn't work out the best. So whatever works out the best, we do many versions of one song, and then we whatever works best for the record is what we choose. And how much material did you actually write for the new record? I believe we wrote about... Um, don't quote me exactly, but I would say twenty about around twenty five songs. We basically have another C D written, so Wow. I mean we really once we got in a roll, it was really cool the way I mean it just kept going. I was really surprised. I actually just made a comment in some magazine that I forgot how much I enjoyed working with the man with the southern drawl. I mean, I just fell right back into it. And you know, back in the day I wasn't that much into writing and now I've, you know, grown up a little bit and I know more of what I want to say, so we just stepped right back into it. It was great. Now, the extra songs that didn't make the record are those songs that were already recorded and, and are in the can, just ready to be released? No, they're recorded. Basically, I think only the final vocal would need to be done on them. But I think musically, they're probably pretty much done. 
cool, cool. We look yeah, forward to cool. hopefully see, hearing them at some point. And what about getting on the road and touring? Have you been playing a lot of live gigs? We have not. I mean, again, we're all spread out all over the world. I can't even say all over the country anymore. Um, you know, we're talking to a lot of people. And again, the famous quote of the year, it's, it's going to take a lot for Chastain to leave his castle. You know, we're talking to a lot of people, but things would really have to be financially viable for us to do it. I'm ready to go. I would go in a minute, but, you know, it's really not that easy these days. You can't just hop on a big arena tour. But again, we're getting offers, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed for sure. Cool. Well, me too. Good luck with that. Going way back in your history, you were around in the San Francisco scene when a lot of stuff was going on there with Rude Girl. What what are just some general memories of the hard rock and heavy metal <laughs> scene in San Francisco around yeah, that time? I immediately go back to there was a club here, and God, you know, it might still be here, called Ruthie's Inn over in Berkeley, California. We opened up for Exodus, and... Wow, talk about training ground. I mean, the spit and the beer cans and the verbal abuse. I mean, what we got thrown at us. But, you know, it was great training ground. We would open for Megadeth, and um, um, I don't know if we actually opened for Wasp in L.A., but, you know, we were in front of all these big-time boy bands, and it was brutal. But, you know, I mean, I'm the type of person, if you don't like me, I'll sing right in your face. So, again, it was a really good training ground. It made you work harder at your craft. And it was a really fun time. The scene up here in San Francisco back then, oh, my God, everybody was everywhere. Any, you know, there were tons of clubs back then. It was not pay to play. Every night you could go see someone. And, again, it was before everybody was really big. But, you know, Megadeth, Metallica, everyone would be at the clubs. We'd all be partying together. We'd all be exchanging notes. It was a really, really fun time. And, again, it was a great place for me as a young metal vocalist, you know, to be hanging out with the people that you knew were going to become the big boys. So it was it was amazing. I wish it was like that now. Right on. Right on. When you look back over your body of work, recorded work, that is, from, you know, the Chastain records to Shockwaves, your solo record, to the Sledge Leather Project album, what what albums stand out as some of your favorites? Uh, that That's so hard for me. I think maybe Ruler of the Wasteland in Seventh of Never from Chastain. I think that period was such a gung-ho um Moving forward, really thirsty time. Uh, the band was up and coming. But, you know, again, as I always say, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of artists will tell you this, once you complete something, it's so hard to listen to it because I just, I can't listen to it objectively. I just want to do things over. But I must say that I think, you know, the, the few albums that I've made, albums, it's funny, do you call them that anymore? I you know, do. There's always yeah. a moment on them where I think I really hit. I don't really think I've made my favorite album yet so i'm still looking for it okay cool cool and the sledge leather project that i think came out back in 2012 can we expect more from from that working relationship at some point i uh, again I, I i don't know you know we, we have no plans for anything things just kind of come and go at this level that i'm at i don't know i don't close the door to anything and i will record anything again at this point it's all about finances i have no plans at this moment though no Okay. And at one point in your life, you were very friendly with Ronnie James Dio. Can you tell us a little bit about how you actually knew him? What is there not to say about that? Again, as all of us can say, he was a mentor and a friend to all of us. He would always just tell me to keep going and just, you know, be true to what, what you wanted to say. I mean, that's all such a cluster 
to me, uh, it took me a while to get over the, you know, mega brain being around him. He was just a normal guy who liked to drink a beer and make music. He was really uh, such an inspiration to me vocally, and he, you know, nothing. He just told me to keep going, and I would follow him around and watch how kind and gracious he was to the whole world and just keep going, move through the haters. I mean, I think about him all the time. Um, I wish he wasn't gone, you know, but I, I think about him a lot. I mean, you know, you look at his career, the amount and difference of material that he did, um, clean, soft, with grace. I mean, I just really miss him. Yeah, totally, totally. And uh, the fans, I mean, we just miss him so much, too. He gave us so much great work oh, for I so mean, long. Everyone that you talk to has the same feeling, whether you were an artist like myself or you were a fan or you were someone that he saw on the corner. I mean, and i got to tell you, his his the Dio family, I call them, they're still like that. I had the blessing of working with Scott and Jimmy on the Sledge Leather Project. And, um, you know, my friend Veronica Freeman is close to Greg Goldie. And, I mean, they are just still very much like that. They just open their arms and they spread the love and they help all of us out. So I think they're a perfect example of the way people in life should be. Do you have any thoughts on Jimmy Bain getting back together with uh, Vinny Apice and Vivian Campbell and doing this last line? Am I missing something? Is that something that people are talking about, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of people, you know, were... Critis- oh. critical of of Viv Campbell for, for doing this because he was on real bad terms with Dio. Uh, yeah, and you know, I got to tell you, I, I hear, I don't talk about it, but now that unfortunately due to Ronnie's passing, I, I tend to be around the family more and, you know, some of the ugliness is just so unnecessary. So I don't know anything about that. I know there was a lot of bad blood, which someone from my, you know, point of it all is going, really? Just shut up and make music. So, I don't know anything about that, but for my opinion, oh my God, get together and create the magic. I would say go. Cool. Now, way back on that first Chastain record, you actually had Fred Curry on drums from yeah. uh, Cinderella. It, I always thought that was kind of cool. Is there any memories of working with him? Did he actually go on tour with you guys? You know, he never did, but it was funny. I just ran into him um, like last year in L.A. We were talking and just laughing. No, he never did tour with us because Ozzy Osbourne called him. <laughs> And he was saying to me last year when I ran into him in L.A., he goes, you remember that you and David were pissed off at me because I went off on tour with Ozzy? And I'm like, I don't really know if that's true. Um, you know, we were both so green then and young. I mean, I always liked him. I thought he was this great rocker dude. Um, I can remember kind of being in the corner with him and both being the green and experienced ones and just figuring it out. I mean, you know, we had so much fun. We laughed. We were hopeful. I mean, it was just a good time. You know, we were young, and, you know, we'd go like, okay, what do you want us to do? But he's done really well in his life. Yeah, definitely. And one last question. Outside of doing music, what do you enjoy doing? Do you have hobbies? Do you work other jobs? Uh, what keeps you busy? I'm a, a, I am work with animals. I'm a huge pit bull advocate out here in California. That's really where I went after the music scene, and I partied ways so that's really what I do, and I'm, I live the California lifestyle. You know, I, I drive Camaros and listen to loud music, and I just really enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, the Pitbull thing really grabbed me, and a lot of people are like, really? Well, I mean, you know, it's like metal. They're the underdogs. It's a huge underground uh, fighting scene that, we are, that we're always fighting against. So, you know, I do music in Pitbulls. That's really what Leather's Life is all about. So are you, like, involved, like, in a pit bull rescue of some sort? Um, I, I have, not per se, not my own. I sponsor a lot of them. We have a lot of down and dirty uh, things that we do to rescue them. Um, I actually don't have one right now, but I've had many of them over the years. 
So it's like this, again, like metal, this chronic underground thing that goes on to save them and we, you know, get them out of different states and yeah, it's a lot of fun. I shouldn't say fun, it's a little discouraging, but you know, it's certainly good to get them to better places. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much. We're going to have this up in about a week on Great. Talking Thank Metal. Thank you so much for your time. Take and, care of yourself. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What you just heard was Leather on vocals there on the song Stand and Fight. That is off of Surrender to No One, which is the new album by Chastain. Check it out on iTunes or go buy the CD, whatever you want to do. Victor, I wanted to get into some music by a Talking Metal listener. His name is Chris Adler. 
from Lamb of God, and he plays drums on Protest the Hero. It's a new record, and I just thought this song was great. It's a song called Clarity. Did you know that he played drums on this record? I remember reading it, and now that you just brought it up, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned it because I listened to the album last week and really enjoyed it. Uh, I've listened to their earlier music and always thought that they've had strong songs here and there, but you know they sort of haven't been able to put it all together, and I think they have on this album. So it, it's cool that Chris is a part of this, and he's a absolutely fantastic drummer so yeah. one of the the few people who when we went to interview him for the first time he outright told me he's like yeah subscribe to your podcast on itunes i i and i do listen to it quite often something like that so it was cool uh i've always had a lot of respect for chris as a drummer and this song is great and by the way on backing vocals that female vocal that you hear is somebody named jada kelly i guess she's a canadian artist not necessarily metal artist but a female vocalist so let's check this out right now. This is Clarity by Protest the Hero. We may or may not have Will Walner, formerly of White Wizard, on the line with us when we get back.
We are back. That was a little protest, a hero. And joining us from the Silver Spacecraft is Mr. John Astronomy. John, how are you tonight? Hey, good, Victor. <laughs> Sorry for the delay. Believe it or not, I was booking some uh, flights for uh, Ace and Company. And uh, now I am back. Cool. John, good metal. To have you. Yeah, good to have you back on the live show. We got a action-packed show tonight. We heard earlier from Leather Leone. Leather Leone. And now... John, we have uh, Mr. Will Walner, ex-White Wizard guitar player, current Walner Vane guitar player on the line with us. Will, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thanks. Thanks so much for checking in with us. We last week played a, a new song that I guess is, was maybe the world premiere of the song on Talking Metal, and I believe the song is called War, right? Uh, the song is called uh, The Wars of the Roses, but um, the MP3 I sent you, yeah, it just got the shorter named War, because it was, uh, that, that was just a, a file I got from my mastering engineer sort of a few days earlier, so, you know, it's just like abbreviated. But uh, the, the title is uh, The Wars of the Roses. Okay, great, great, because I really didn't know the title when we played it. I, I, I just said, this is New Walner Vane. It sounds great. I, I, I wanted to ask you right off the bat, who is playing bass on that song? It's, the bass sounds phenomenal. Yeah, that guy is, um, his name's uh, Bjorn England, who um, right now he's playing in Dio Disciples. Um, but he also, he played with Malmsteen for like five years and um, Tony McAlpine. And uh, I met him in Hollywood. He's a really nice guy. And he actually uh, recorded a lot of the album. And uh, yeah, he did a really good job on that track. Very cool. What other guests do you have in store for the new Walner Vane album? Can you mention them? Because the last time we talked about this, you mentioned that uh, you had to hold off a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, this album was slightly different from the first one because this album is mostly a single lineup, which is uh, Bjorn on bass and uh, White Wizards drummer Geo uh, laying down most of the tracks. And then there's like a few select guests on certain tracks. We've got um, Don Airy from Deep Purple on uh, one track. We've got um, a bass player called Neil Murray, who was in White Snake and a bunch of really great bands like Black Sabbath in the 80s. Wow. Um, then guys that were on my first album who I know really well, like Vinnie Apathy, he's on like um, a couple of tracks. Um, his brother Carmine's on one track. Uh, bass player uh, Tony Franklin, he's on a, a track with Carmine. Those guys were in Blue Murder together. Um, I think that's 
all of the guests, I think, on this album. You don't really need any more with that lineup. Wow, those are some great, <laughs> great players. I mean, how do you get these guys to be on your record? I mean, I, I know you said with the Apathy Brothers, you bought them beers, and that uh, that, <laughs> that got you in. But yeah. really, like some of these other guys, how do you like get a Neil Murray on your record? Well, um, the, on this album, like there was one track that I was working on, which is a, a tribute to Gary Moore. I wanted to sort of pay tribute to him because he's one of my favorite uh, guitar players. And um, I was basically trying to track down musicians that had played with him. And Neil Murray, this bass player who um, lives in England, he actually had played a lot with Gary, sort of in his sort of early 80s rock era. And um, so I got in contact with him, and he was interested in, um, you know, playing on it. And then uh, it was actually through him that I managed to get uh, Don Airy's contact details to, uh, to record on that track. And then it's just kind of like by networking. Some of the guys are in L.A., and then the rest are kind of, you know, all over the world who I just contract, uh, contact by uh, email. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, for example, Bjorn, the bass player, I, I just I met him. Um, he came to actually one of the White Wizard shows that we did, and I just got chatting to him. And I was like, yeah, man, I mean, it'd be cool to have you maybe lay down some bass, you know. And so it's just, just stuff like that, you know. When's the full album coming out? Um, it's going to come out the, uh, in the middle of April, probably like April 15th is what we're shooting for right now. And um, it, it hasn't really been announced or anything. Like, I just we just got the masters back like a, a couple of weeks ago. So um, we're probably yeah, going to like announce pretty soon and then sort of like try to hype it up with all the press and stuff, like starting in the next month or so. Excellent. Hey, well, well, one when it comes when it comes out, I just want to quickly mention we want to get Vivian on. So and and you too. We'll have both both you guys on. We'll have a big episode and celebrate the release of the new Walner Vane. Yeah, that would be really fun. Yeah, I was definitely looking forward to that. So yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch with you guys. Cool. Go ahead, John. Hey, Will. I wanted to ask you um, now. When you contact some of these people that are the special guests on your record. Are they already familiar with your guitar playing and your work with Guitar World, or uh, do you have to submit some tracks for them to hear, and then they realize like that you're the real deal, and then they they say yes to be on the record? Oh, How yeah, does that work? I mean, I'm I'm nowhere near like known enough to have you know. I have to sort of explain to them, you know, and send them links to sort of things I've done. But I think for most of them, they sort of. Once they say go to my website, they can see that the music I'm making is probably you know similar to their style. So it's kind of you know usually pretty pretty easy to get the people that I'm looking for to like play on there. If you know what I'm saying, it's just usually a case of trying to find their contact details because some of them like don't have websites and things like that. Like, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's yeah, it's sort of it is hit and miss. Like I've contacted a few people that weren't that didn't want to play on there, but. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's just yeah, uh, you know, just basically, I I'll send them an email with you know, a brief description of what I'm doing, and then if they're interested, great, you know. Well, that's great. I mean, Will, it it takes uh, you know, they're not going to just do it for anybody, and in really, congratulations to you and and your your talent because uh, you got to have the goods, and you definitely have it. So, very cool. Cheers, Matt. Yeah, thanks. Sure. Uh, one of the people that I'm assuming that you didn't ask to take place or to take part of the album is John Leon. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about where things stand uh, within 
White Wizard or not where they stand within White Wizard or where do you stand with John Leon and how things ended off from the last time that we had spoken to you? Um, yeah. Oh boy. Um, sadly, I have, a, I, the last contact I had with John was about a month ago where he left me a pretty, um, obscene voicemail. And uh, that was it for me. I was just like, I, I, I reached out to him in email saying when I got back from Europe after that crazy tour, and I was like, dude, like, you know, I wish you the best, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, maybe we can be friends. And then I don't know, just it didn't happen. So now I'm, I'm not really in contact with John. And I don't know, I think, I think he might be working on new music, but I'm not entirely sure. So, like I said, I wish him the best. But, yeah, I, I don't have any contact with him at all, really. Right on, okay. right on. Okay, well, you guys, like like Victor and I have told you before, you made some really great music together, and we look forward to hearing uh, your new music. We've heard heard one track. We're going to play it again today, uh, but we definitely look forward to hearing uh, more tracks off the album. And you said uh, April, middle of April, right? Yeah, middle of April is most likely when it's going to come out. And um, yeah, it, it, it's a really fun album. Like I said, it's like a, a lot of guitar parts. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really sort of, uh, I'm really happy with the way this came out. Yeah. Are you handling all the guitar parts on the record or do you have other guitar players joining you? Yeah, no, I'm doing, I'm doing all, it's, I do all the guitars, Viv does all the vocals. And then it's just, you know, finding, like I say, like musicians from my favorite bands to sort of like play on some of them and, yeah, I got I got Gio and Bjorn to lay down sort of a chunk, a, a big chunk of this because I wanted to have a more sort of consistent feel to each to each song. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's me doing all the guitars. Sure. The last question that I wanted to ask was regarding the show that you'd played at the Whiskey. What it was like to see Jakey Lee after so many years of being away, and what your interpretation was of that first live show where there's been all types of uh, things mentioned on the web, whether it was good or bad or, or otherwise. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'll say this. I got to the whiskey at about 2 p.m. for soundcheck, and Jake was there just, like, you know, doing actually during his soundcheck. And I basically got to stand right, like, you know, a couple of feet in front of him for about an hour while he was just, like, jamming through stuff. That, for me, is, like, one of the best experiences for me is being a huge Jakey Lee fan right there. Um, then when the sh- when his band went on, I know, like, I don't know, their singer was maybe drunk or something. Um, but, I mean, it, it, was, it was a really good show, but, like, you know, you could tell he was kind of, like, maybe a bit too drunk. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a really fun night, and there's a lot of cool people there. But, um, you know, me and Viv, we had a great show, so we, we really loved it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to see Jake back. Like, he was one of my, like, biggest influences so when i saw that show was coming up i was really glad that we got to be the direct support for it so yeah it was a cool it was a cool night very good well thank you will so much for joining us on talking metal and we will talk more and in uh, in more depth with you when the album is released and also to vivian yeah yeah sounds good guys yeah cheers thank you so much thanks will Cool, and we're going to get into the new song. Are you still there, Will? Yeah, I'm here, yeah. Give us, give us the name of the song one more time. Uh, this is The Wars of the Roses. Excellent, by Walner Vane. Let's check it out now. 
Hey guys, what you just heard was the new Walner Vein. I'm here with John Astronomy and Victor Ruiz, and we are fortunate because we have actually two sponsors on the Talking Metal podcast tonight. The first I told you about earlier, I'm going to mention them again now. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code SLASH. Squarespace is constantly improving their platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and all the style options you need to create a unique website for your business. And like I mentioned, I'm probably going to be setting up my own producer-writer promo website for my uh, real business, the business I make money at. It all starts at just $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look great on every device and every, and it'll look great every time. Uh, start a trial with no credit card. I love this because all these places, they like trick you into you know, subscribing and paying them with the free trial where you got to put a credit card in. Not with Squarespace. Start a free trial with no credit card and uh, start building your website right away. Again, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code SLASH to get 10 10- 10% off, and to show your support for Talking Metal. Big thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode. Another sponsor I want to tell you about is a brand new sponsor, audiblepodcast.com slash talkingmetal is the address. I want you to go and check these people out. They're Audible. We're going to have it linked through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com. And let me just tell you, this podcast is brought to you by Audible, the leading provider of audiobooks. Talking Metal listeners can download a free ebook on us and get an extended free trial of the service by going to audiblepodcast.com slash talking metal. I want to thank Audible for its support of Talking Metal. Audible is the leading provider of downloadable audiobooks. We have a special offer exclusively for our listeners coming up. Audible offers 150,000 books covering virtually every genre. If you want to listen to a book, Audible has it. Listen to audiobooks anytime, anywhere, including iPhones, iPads, Macs, PCs, Kindles, you name it. And here's the best part. Audible is offering Talking Metal listeners a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash talkingmetal to take advantage of this offer. By doing so, you not only get a chance to check out a great service, you support our show as well. Hey, John, do you think the Ace book is on Audible? No you know, regrets? It's a, it's a good good question. Uh, we should definitely check it out. Um, I don't believe that Ace read that, you know, did the, the version of it, but uh, it sounds like a really cool thing, and we'll definitely yeah. check it out. Well, we'll have to see if No Regrets, written by our own John Astronomy, along with a couple other friends, is up there. And finally, once again, you can get a free audiobook and kick off your free trial at audiopodcast slash talking metal. Let's do it, guys. Let's get into a little enough's enough right now. And when we come back, John, Victor, and myself will be talking to Chips Enough, at least in theory, right? <laughs> yes. Cool. What do we have uh, on tap here, Victor? We have Bullet from a Gun off of. 
Tweet. Yeah, such a great song, such a great record. It came out back in 1995. One of my favorite Enough's Enough records. And this is definitely one of the better songs on the album. It's called Bullet from a Gun. Hey, it's John Astronomy. I'm here with Mark Striegel and Victor Ruiz. And what you just heard was Bullet from a Gun by Enough's Enough. And on the line, we have my good buddy who I've known forever and just recently hung out with, Chip Zenough. Chip, how are you? 
beautiful here in Chicago, my friends. How are you? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us, Chip. Hey, Chip. Chip, thanks so much for coming on the show. I've been telling Mark and Victor about how much of a great time we had in Chicago, and and I've told the Talking Metal listeners uh, about this, too. So let me recap real quick. Chip is the co-host of the Man Cow Show, and Ace was a guest, and so we went down uh, early one Friday morning, and we just had the greatest time. Uh, The show was amazing. Chip jammed with Ace. Uh, that was historic. The, these guys did a great blues jam, and uh, we had such a fun time on the show. And then Chip came back to the hotel where we were staying at for uh, the horror convention, and we hung out for like three, four days in a row. It was great, Chip. Magical over there. That was uh, Days of the Dead, and first time for me there, I had no idea that they they had these kind of uh, autograph-seeking auctions around here in, in the Midwest, let alone the United States, but evidently it's a big thing. Ace must have made a Brinks truck full of money there. <laughs> we had a wonderful time. The fans were great. A lot of uh, entertainers there, of course, you know, movies, and movie stars, actors, rock musicians, etc. And uh, it was just nice to be in the presence of a uh, rock and roll Hall of Fame great musician like Ace, killer songwriter. And uh, I wish it would have lasted longer, my friend. Chip, I had such a good time. I mean, Chip and I first met back in the 90s when Enough's Enough was mixing the Strength record in, in Manhattan. And uh, and then we hadn't seen each other for a while. And when we hooked back up again, it, it just really felt like no time had passed. And, and literally, uh, I mean, we just had the best time. And I was just talking to Chip, you know, earlier today, I'm going to go out there to Chicago, hang and stay at Chip's place. And, you know, just... Uh, I, I, I want to do some talking metal jams with Chip. It's just it, really great that we reconnected, uh, Chip. Uh, thanks so much, and I had a great time. John, you've been on TV for the last three weeks on and off, and uh, your uh, AKA is now Getty Lee here in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, you guys, when that, John was on the Man Cow Show with Chip, he actually played the part of Getty Lee. So. Yes. And you know what's so funny, Mark and Victor? It, 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 Chip has said that they have been re-airing that ace episode with me on it constantly from back when we were there in november all you know through now and it just uh, has been great guys if you haven't checked out man cow uh definitely check him out he's a great great morning show host uh i've always been a fan of his and uh, and chip is the co-host now chip tell us about uh, how you hooked up with man cow i just happened to go down uh, to the station one day and do a short little interview talk about the new enough's enough album and uh, after the show, he says, you know, I'd love you to come on in here. And I said, when? He says, every day. I said, I'll see you tomorrow morning. That was it. That's how it started. Wow. Now, now Chip, a lot of people have been fans of uh, Enough's Enough. I mean, uh, I, Howard Stern, uh, Mancow, uh, uh, just, I mean, I just remember a lot of hosts. It's a strange thing, but a lot of people who host radio shows, hosts, yeah. yeah, radio hosts, just loved Enough's Enough. Well, that's, we've always been the critic darling. Sometimes that means lack of sales, but we've sold quite a few records, too, as well. I think the fact of the matter is uh, a hard-working band from the Midwest, our, our influences, you could you threw us in a blender with uh, the Beatles and Cheap Trick, Not the Hoople, Sweet Queen, and you get enough's enough. Show me a yeah. band without influence, I'll show you a band without a record deal. And uh, right we constantly put music out for the last uh, 25 years. We have... Uh, 15 studio records, 
close to 20 albums released. So uh, we, we put a lot of music out there, and uh, we're just grateful that uh, we've been acknowledged because there's so much music out there. It's real hard to get caught up in the shuffle, but it's nice to be recognized. And especially in New York, uh, we, we had so much success out there with uh, Stern and Letterman and and, uh, you know, our, our labels were always located in, in the East Coast. That we spent a uh, large amount of uh, our time and enough, enough touring out there and playing those shows. And I think it's helped them. I'm very grateful that the people are still paying attention, at least a little bit in this day and age. Of, we're out in a time right now where there's too much product, I think, and not enough demand. So it's nice to be out there and uh, making records still. And uh, we're, we've been touring as well throughout the year last year did 110 shows so it's nice to where we're still finding places where they want to hear our music right on now you guys your first record came out in 1989 but you actually formed in 1984 which is 30 years ago do you have any plans for like a 30 year anniversary concert or tour or anything like that it'd certainly be nice to do something like that but right as a matter of fact it's funny you bring that up because we are now we could be nominated for uh and, uh, into the Hall of Fame now. We're 25 years of service. The first album came out in 89, so here we are in 2014. I think that uh, that'd be quite an accomplishment just to be recognized. Yeah. Certainly not. We're, we're anticipating most bands that get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have uh, millions and millions of album sales and they've left an adult mark. I see so many bands that are out there right now that aren't in the Hall of Fame. It's shocking. Like, you know, Yes and Iron Maiden and Cheap Trick. But just to be in that game, to still be going when the average life expectancy of any band is five years, uh, it's quite an accomplishment. And what is the current status of Enough's Enough? I know you guys, you had a, a cover album that came out recently, right? Yeah, well, we're going to release it this year, but we, we did do a cover record because throughout our career, we had all these songs that we've done of bands that we've been influenced by or, or bands that have tripped our trigger. So we put together a nice record, us doing Prince and Nirvana and Queen, Cheap Trick. It's, it's quite a good record. And we've been just selling it on the road, just hawking it on the, on, the, on the tours. So it's for sale on the road, but I didn't actually see it up on iTunes. No, I didn't want to put it up on iTunes. We wanted our diehard fans to be able to get it first. And it was a nice little... A, a little taste for the group when they, for the fans when they come out and see the band play to get another brand new record and hold us over until we can do another studio record. Very cool. cool. And, and, you guys are out on the road. Donnie V currently isn't, isn't touring with you. Is that correct? Yeah, Donnie stopped touring with us at the uh, end of uh, March, April. We did a tour over in the UK. And... Uh, we took a little break after that. He wanted to do a solo record. In the meantime, we wanted to continue to play. So we're out there for the four-piece. Myself with Johnny Monaco, who's been at the helm. He's been singing with us and playing guitar for years. And uh, Tori Stoker, Jr. out in uh, Iowa. And Randy Zander Scott from Superman playing drums. And it sounds great, too. Really powerful. Two guitars. It's been a while since we've had it like that. It's been a three-piece for a long time, so having the extra instruments great while the sing. No tapes, no sequences, no guys hiding backstage, no lip-syncing, just us singing and playing our, as, as well as we can. And from what I've seen and heard from people, uh, they're all pleasantly surprised. Now, do you, 
do you envision that if if you're going to do a new record of original material that that Donnie will be back in the fold f- with you for that, well, or do you, do you think you could do an I'd album without like him? It. I'd certainly like to see it with him. Of course, uh, it's a big part of the reason I'm in this business right now is because of his beautiful voice and the great songs that we've written together. Uh, I, I would envision that Donnie would be there to to make one more record. Uh, right now, I'd be speaking too soon, though. I couldn't promise anybody anything except that we have talked about we would like to make another record, but whether it happens or not, uh, only time will tell. Cool. Now, Donnie, you guys just got back from a European tour, right? You guys did a few festivals over there. Yeah, we went out with uh, Black Black Star Riders, which is uh, the Open Lizzie. Right on. Great shows. And over in Europe, they're, they're just never never ceased to amaze me how the fans are just, they embrace American rock bands out there. And, uh, I love touring that country. We've been going there since 1989. Enough stuff has toured everybody over there and that, and, and through Europe. Uh, this time though, we had a chance to go out and do a good dozen shows on our own headlining. We've been playing small clubs and little theaters well attended. And just let everybody know, that, Hey guys, we're still out there. We're still playing. We're still making records. Right on. I wanted to ask you about Jakey Lee. Uh, Jake was not heard or seen for a number of years, it, with the exception of appearing on Enough's Enough's record back in 2010. He's recently kind of stopped, stepped back out into the spotlight. Did you have any thoughts on uh, him reappearing in, in the mainstream? I'd like to see it happen for him. He's been sitting idle for a long time. He's a Howard Hughes of rock. He's living out in Las Vegas. In fact, the last time I seen him, after we played after we played on the Enough's Enough Dissonance record, about a year later, I uh, got a call from one of the agents that wanted to bring Enough's Enough over to Japan. We've always had a good presence there, so I reached out to Jake and asked him if he'd be interested in coming over and playing guitar. He just done a couple songs. He didn't play in the whole set. Just come out with a few, for a few tunes that we do on the Dissonance record live, and uh, basically he said he wanted to go over there on his own and do a solo tour just. Is, is himself, in which I respect that. And then I just found out recently that the uh, same agency, uh, Big Time Entertainment out of Los Angeles, signed him up. He's got himself a little solo band. He's going to go out and do a 30-city tour this year. So it's nice to see Jakey out there. He's got that Les Paul. He plays like you won't believe. He's just a wonderful musician. It doesn't even look like he's playing when he's playing. His, his technique is just so unorthodox. Uh, but I know that enough's enough of them. He came down there and bashed out all of the songs. No one told him what to play. He did everything on his own. He showed another side of himself. He's, he's a six-trick pony. He can play different styles of music, and he's a very melodic player. He still looks great. It was funny. Uh, when I talked to him last, he, he had a broken leg. He was chasing down the ice, an ice cream truck out in uh, Las Vegas and slipped in a, and tripped over a curb. Fell in the street and broke his leg. I should laugh. <laughs> oh my god! Chasing down an ice cream truck. Those that's apropos. <laughs> he does love his sweets. And uh, but he's healed up fine. He's going to be out there on tour. And I'm sure he's got a great band. I love him. It's, it's an honor to play with him. And that's the only thing he's done for such a long time was the Enough's Enough album. So uh, it's nice to see him go out on his own again and, and get a chance to play some of the old songs that he helped write that he got he never got credit for on Ozzy Osbourne. Right, that's right. People want to hear those songs. Hey, and how did Johnny Monaco first come into the Enough's Enough fold? Uh, when Gary Garcia passed away, we were hired to play this big, big uh, drum gig 
Peace Festival out in Chicago, and his band was opening. Johnny and I seen him. We just loved his loved his voice and uh, thought he played great. And uh, we sat down and talked to him after the show. And uh, he's a big enough snuff fan. And we said, we know we think we're gonna need a guitar player. He said, to check us out. And I remember coming over to the house for uh, the audition, I guess you can call it. And we asked him, hey, you do cocaine? He says, no, but I can learn. And we said, okay, you're in. <laughs> True story. Wow. <laughs> that, that is cool. One of my uh, favorite Enough's Enough songs, I mean, there's so many of them. We, we heard one earlier, Bullet from a Gun. But one of my other ones is Blue Island off the strength record um so i wanted to ask you about blue island uh, did, did, did you actually grow up there and do you have fond memories of of living in blue island yeah it's my hometown right now it's where i'm staying as a matter of fact now uh i'm from the south side of chicago beverly blue island Cal park that whole south side area and we our grandpa used to always say to us you guys gotta write a song about your your hometown and he was the catalyst to give us the idea and then donnie had a wonderful Line and we just put it all together quickly during that strength album. We had we were writing machines back then. Uh, Enough Snuff was out in Los Angeles recording over and over and over for about two months over at the Music Grinder Studios and over at A&M. And we probably recorded 30-something songs and tried to give the record company that record as a double album. That's what our approach was. Well, the first album did good. It went gold. New thing, Fly on the Shelves. Charted for us with a couple of hits on TV and said, you know, we got to ride this in. We just can't go in there though, with a 10 song record like the first one. Let's do something bombastic like the Beals are doing, come up with like a white album. There's tons of material. We'll make it a double record, a double white album, we said. And of course, the record company heard the songs and said, you guys, the stuff sounds great, but it's too much information. So let's break, let's cut it in half. So we, that ended up being like a 16 song album, that strength album. And we certainly weren't writing for a radio. We were writing for ourselves, as we always have. With Enough's Enough, the, the, the songs, the only way they stand the test of time is if we dig them. And if they trip our trigger, then we make sure that we can get them on a record so the audience can hear them as well. So it was certainly a difficult process. We had a couple of months to record. We were living out in uh, at the Oakwoods on Barham in Los Angeles. So we're all the way from home. And we were very focused, 11 o'clock in the morning at the studio, there until midnight every single day except Sundays. And, uh, you know, at that time, too, we were certainly experimenting a lot. We burned the camera at both ends all through Los Angeles, invited to every single party. And uh, it didn't seem to affect us because the songs kept coming out. We finished that album up and immediately went right on tour and to support it. And it did very well for us. But at that time, there was a whole change in the garden in the music industry. Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Allison Chains, and the whole Seattle thing was happening. And I've seen, we've seen a lot of our contemporaries just disappear and go away. But for some reason, we were able to keep going. We had a great booking agency, Premier, Frank Barcelona and Barbara Skydell, God rest their soul. And they uh, kept us out there working. And we were able to uh, continue to stay in the business and make, make another record until uh, Clive Davis recognized us and heard a couple of our demos that we did in, in my... Uh, condominium in Beverly and ended up signing the band and put us back in the game. And we thought, well, you got another chance now, third album. Let's come up with a title and uh, go out and see if we can uh, make some things happen with it. So we rented out a, a beautiful Oscar Minor wiener wagon with front and back shocks to our equipment in there. 
whip that guy on tour and supported that album and never really we never looked back after that to be honest with you. We figured even if we weren't gonna be with a major label, we'd still continue to make records and go out and tour. We thought we could make a living doing that, which we have up to this point. We've been pretty lucky. Excellent. Hey, uh, Chip, uh, a little aside, Chris the bodyguard uh, just texted me and says hello. So <laughs> I'll tell him you said hi. Um, uh, give him my best, please. Absolutely. Uh, so, Chip, you know what, Mark, uh, Mark, you're from uh, Chicago. You've there, lived there for a while, right? Well, yeah, I, I went to high school in the, the Hinsdale area. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I but that was actually I moved from Chicago before Enough's Enough broke. Oh, okay. Hinsdale, that's like that's uh, like spoiled USA. Yeah, <laughs> a, lot yeah of, right. a lot of chips out there. You got, you got some money. If you're living in Hinsdale, you're doing okay. You pay your rent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Hey, I wanted. Unfortunately, you know, we've lost two of the members of Enough's Enough through the years. Sadly, and I just wanted to quickly touch upon them. Um, talk a little bit about Ricky Parent and and what an important part of the band he was. Can you tell the Talking Metal listeners? you know, how he first came into the fold and how long he was actually in the band with you. Absolutely. In 1993, Enough Snuff was out in, uh, in New York at um, one of the big studios out there recording uh, Animals of Human Intelligence. And we got a call saying that uh, Vince Neil was looking for a drummer in line of the pillage, Vicky Fox. Now, we just finished up the Animals of Human Intelligence record, and we thought, well, he's not going to go anywhere. However, Vince was nominated for something for the MTV Awards, and they wanted him to play a song, and he had this all-star band with Steve Stevens in there, Robbie Crane, and uh, it was only fitting that they're going to get Fox because he's got a great show. And uh, Vince says, hey, I'm going to go out and do this MTV Awards thing with Vince Neil. Now, Vince always looks... Vicky Fox always looked at Vince as like Motley Crue's The Beatles. Right. Uh, to him. So we, uh, we understood and we gave permission to go ahead and do that. Not unwittingly, not, of course, not knowing that uh, he was going to join the band afterwards. Anyway, he did the award show and his cousin, Anna Klumsky, was, uh, she was nominated for a Grammy or something for that one song, Last Kiss with Macaulay Culkin. So his whole family was celebrating that night with her and with him playing with Vince Neil. And after the show, uh, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to go out and try this right now. I guess he had enough's enough for Vince Fox. Uh, seen all his problems that we were going through with lawsuits, complete record companies. We find ourselves um, in a position where the budgets were changing and he just felt that maybe a change in the car would be good for him. So it was his choice. And it broke the band's heart. So we went and looked. Uh, we were audition drummers. We get all these videotapes sent to us. And out of 250-something drummers, Vic Fox, uh, replacement Ricky Perrin, came into the fall. We've seen the pictures of him. And Donnie and I said, uh, we looked at the videos of all these different drummers. We said, well, this guy looks like he could be Nicolas Cage from the 30th row. You know, of course, love Nicolas Cage, especially in leaving Las Vegas. We can relate to that movie. And we right. said, uh, let's check him out. So we bring him, he, he was playing uh, a band, uh, War and Peace at the time with Jeff Tolson from Doc. And, and he came down and auditioned. Came to Chicago. We were living in Beverly Hills, south side of Chicago, real nice place. He came down first day, played together, and we just loved his look and his disposition. He was solid as a rock. 
And he didn't have to show Vic Fox here, but he had the chops, that was for sure, and he looked great. And uh, within a week, he learned the material. We were out playing. We were out touring around the country. I think the first gig we did was Milwaukee Summerfest, five 6,000 people, and that was it when there was no looking back. And uh, so instead of him coming, coming to Chicago and just getting the condominium or a little apartment to live in, I used to just move in my house with me. So we lived together, and it was just a wonderful experience. Anytime we wanted to go in the studio, didn't have to run around and go try to find all the musicians. And the rhythm section was right there in my house. And we just started recording song after song after song. And the guy was a solid drummer, had great influences, and uh, probably uh, bedded more women than Warren Beatty in his heyday. Wow. <laughs> the women, That's great. Yeah, women absolutely loved him. He just had a wonderful disposition. You know, every day... I'm so grateful to be able to listen to enough snuff albums or go and look at our videotapes and DVDs and see these guys and go, man, how lucky I was to have been a band this great with uh, wonderful musicians. They had the look of the world and they lived and breathed rock and roll 24 hours a day. These guys were the real McCoy. Wow. Awesome. And I, w- I wanted to mention uh, Derek, too, who was uh, really, you know, his guitar sound was something that a lot of people say really kind of made you guys metal if you were will on those first couple records and i wanted to ask you about him first coming to the band i heard stories that did he come to the band after you guys already got the record deal no what happened was we in 19 uh, maybe 87 or 88 we were working in lake geneva wisconsin at a place called real recorders and uh we had at the time it was uh alex uh, Alex Kane from Life, Sex, and Death, who was playing guitar in Enough's Enough. And management company felt that uh, they were also handling Derek Frigo. He was uh, on the roster, one of the bands, one of the artists they managed. And they said, uh, you know, we heard your demos. We've been turned down by every single label. Why don't we try something uh, with the other guitarist? And I heard all about him. I remember him from his old band, Le Mans. And I knew that he was a real rock and roller who burned a candle at both ends, and I was concerned about all of us getting together and and just it'd be out of control like a four-ring circus. And I told management, I don't think we should, we should check somebody else out. He said, look, why don't we just have him come on down and play on three or four songs, and then we'll shop that demo. And uh, reluctantly, I gave in to management, and Donnie and I said, okay, let's bring him on down. And he came down, and all he did was basically was we pulled Alex's guitar parts off the songs and let Derek come in and play some solos on four tunes. That was it. Now the same tape that we went and shopped to everybody that every single label passed on us, but we went back to them again with these four songs and everyone loved it. And wow. we had a bidding war all of a sudden from nothing at all. All was broke. Uh, just, you know, we were confusing motion with progress. We couldn't get anything happening to now. Chrysalis and Atlantic and Warner Brothers and all these labels were business to sign enough's enough. Uh, so we knew we had to make a change right there. And for the better, of course, because uh, Derek came in, he was grand that first record, played through it all Bradshaw. Loved the boogie stuff. And uh, he's just a great guitar player, had wonderful influences. Uh, his father's Johnny Frigo, who was a jazz violinist, played with Count Basie and Billy Holiday and all the big stars from that era. Used to be on Johnny Carson. And he, uh, unwittingly, his son, Derek, just uh, listened to him all the time and ended up really pillaging a lot of that stuff. And he brought it to Enough's Enough. And, you know, Donnie to this day will probably disagree with me. He thinks that you know, maybe Derek's heavy buzz 
guitars might have hurt the band because we are real, really a pop group. But I beg to differ. I think that Derek, if it wasn't for his guitar playing, his extraordinary talents, uh, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. It's a big part of it. I've, I've sound those first right. three albums, actually first four albums. And um, we went with Derek for about four or five years, his tour around the country, and it was, and I, it was constantly putting fires out. There was a lot of tension between Donnie and himself because uh, Derek wanted to be more of a guitar driven band and Donnie was hoping that it would be focused more on just the songs and not the heavy guitars. But I think that whole combination uh, that made a lot of tension and those songs, instead of being pop songs, turned into real good rock and roll records. And Derek went with us until about 93 and then one day uh, Donnie and Derek had a disagreement on a song about a part and Donnie wanted him out of the band. It's that simple. Derek says, oh, I'm going to move on. I'm going to go on my own to a solo record. Broke my heart. And we went back and we picked up uh, Gino Martino in the meantime, and who was the original guitar player from Enough Stuff, even before Alex came. And Gino went out and toured with us until we could figure out what we we're going to do with our lives as a, as a band. And Derek ended up did come back, uh, coming back to the fold uh, in the 2004, 2005 to record enough enough question mark record and uh we were going to go over to japan and support that record and then, uh, that's when i uh, he died in los angeles and it, it just stopped the whole choo-choo train right. no tour in japan no we just that record never we never really supported that record because uh the band was crippled at that point and then uh around 2006 is when uh johnny Monaco came back into the falls and we were able to go out and tour again. Okay. But I miss the guys. I, I think about them all the time and I'm real lucky to have a band that great with all the wonderful songs and all the bands that enough stuff is tour with. It's, it's a blessing working with, you know, Def Leppard, Poison, the Cheap Trick and playing on stage with the big boys, you know, Aerosmiths and stuff. It was a, it was just huge for us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for any musicians out there are listening to this, you listen to you guys, enjoy the run because you don't know when it's going to stop. Right on. So many stories. Uh, I wanted to ask you if you've ever thought about writing a book. Yeah, I'm working on one right now with this uh, girl, Jody Blanco, who's got a couple of books in the New York Times bestseller list uh, about bullying. You know, her books were about growing oh. up and being picked on. And uh, she heard some of the stuff I put together, like a little small little four little five little page thing on Enough's Enough. And we were shooting a TV show a couple of years ago for a TBS network. And uh, we signed the deal and we thought, well, we're going to get one wonderful opportunity here to, to come uh, and get our story out there. And when that fell through, I talked, she read some of the little liner notes that they had. And she thought it was terrific. So I've been putting this book together. I probably got about 250 pages. I got a little bit more to put together. I will have a book out. I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but there will be an enough snuff book. And it'll be the words right out of my mouth. I'm writing the book. I don't have a bunch of ghost writers. And basically telling a story about uh, the rise and fall and getting back into the, on this my horse again with enough enough. No pun intended. Yeah. And uh, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly not holding any punches. Uh, the book is uh, is an R-rated book, that's for sure, and it doesn't. In some ways, it doesn't show uh, 
you know, I'm not just focusing on the good stuff in our career. I want to talk about it all and how we've survived and, and lasted as long as we have and how these songs came about and how Donnie and I really, really gave everything we have to put the best records out and the best songs we could possibly come up with. Talking about writing with other artists and uh, the, some of the, uh, rise, uh, the trial and tribulations of being with a major record company and also being with an independent label is what we're on now. So I hope it's a compelling book and story. Uh, and when I finish it, I'll let you guys know about it. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. We'd, we'd love we'll to have you have back you on, on to, to promote it. Yeah. I mean, you, there's so much we could talk to you about, uh, you, you know, your, your work with Steven Adler and Del Bozio and, uh, but, uh, I don't want to hold you up too long. So I at least wanted to get I one. Just, uh, you know, as far as Adler goes, I got to say quickly that I, I've been in contact with him because, uh, a month or two ago, we talked, and he's telling me how much he missed me, and he goes, let's go back out and do some more stuff in the summertime. Oh, cool. And so, I, evidently, he was doing pretty good, and he, he seemed to be getting over the horse. I know that he was going through some problems when he was off tour. He finds himself getting in trouble a little bit. He wasn't doing any hard drugs or anything, but he found himself drinking a little bit too much, he said, and he just wanted to take a break from that. But I called him the other day to leave a message on his machine, and his phone was shut off, so... Oh, no. for him. I hope he's yeah. doing okay because one of his only dreams in life was to for our Guns N' Roses to get back together again and, 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 and do the run one more time, even if it was for one show. And I know it broke his heart when they were inducted into the Hall of Fame and Axel didn't show up. Mm. However, uh, you know, he's a great. If anybody wants to hear any stuff that I deal with Adler, there's a, an Adler's Enough record that's out there, five-song EP. And uh, you can also get uh, Adler's Appetite record uh, through uh, uh, Down Boys Records or on iTunes. Cool. Before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about the Johnny Rotten Jr. project. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks for asking. I appreciate that. It's really nice to get a chance to hawk my wares. Um, I I was going to put a solo record out. I didn't want to call it Chips Enough. I went over to Rick Nielsen from Cheap Tricks House. And I was having some guitars signed for this uh, charity that I was working with called fmworldcharities.org. And basically what this charity does is they go around the Warp festivals and the big concerts that are happening around the world. And there's a bunch of doctors and they check the kids for uh, cancer. And it's free and it's free screening. I thought this is a really great thing, but obviously it costs money to do these things, not for profit. So I got a bunch of guitars signed by Guns N' Roses and Cheap Trick and Def Leppard, all these different bands and brought him in there. And I went over to Rick Nielsen's house to get the guitar signed. And I was telling him I was recording a solo record and I didn't want to call it Chips Nothing. He says, well, why don't you give it a good name? And he needs a name that's catchy. I said, well, you got a name for me? He says, yeah, Johnny Rotten Jr. I said, I hail that name. <laughs> I, I, I want to use that when he goes 50-50. I'll never forget it. Right. <laughs> so I figured, well, I got you know, Nielsen naming the band. I got to get one of the guys in Cheap Trick to sing and play on it. So I got Robin Zander on my birthday to come down and sing. Uh, we did a cover of The Kinks all day and all the night. Wow. And the record's been out for about two years right now. It's done really well for me. I get him at the live shows. It's on iTunes, Johnny Rotten Jr. And uh, I wanted to do something that was different that didn't sound like enough stuff. It's sort of like a cross, I've been told, of uh, between Jane's Addiction meets Pink Floyd. So I'll take that as a, a, a yes. Yeah. And, uh, if anybody wants to check it out, there's a lot of good musicians that are playing on the record. Adler's on it as well, playing drums on a couple songs. And uh, a, a cool alternative rock record. 
Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Chip. We really appreciate it. It's been great. Hey, Chip, thank you so much, man. I, I really enjoyed having you on the show, and uh, uh, you're such a, a cool guy. You have such great stories. They're, they're all from the heart, and you're completely honest. And, uh, Chip, uh, I, I really can't thank you enough for tonight, man. Sometimes the, uh, the honesty can be misconstrued as, as vulnerable, okay? <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> no. you guys wanting to talk to me, and I don't want to bore anybody, but I'm very grateful and blessed that I have a, an illustrious career. And it's always nice when people are out there around the country. And let your boy know out in Spain that enough stuff will be out there in May. Oh, cool. Awesome. Will do. Yeah, cool. Victor, you definitely come down to the show for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll set him up. Whatever he needs, I'll be glad to set him up. Okay. All right, Chip. man. Let's get into some music, John, I Victor. I hope to see you soon, my friend. You know, my home is your home. Absolutely, Chip. I'm definitely going to take you up on that and come out there. And I'll talk to you over the weekend. Peace, my love. Definitely. Will do. All right, guys. All right. Have a great weekend. Take okay, care. Take care, Chip. Thanks, Chip. Victor, what do you have gentlemen. on uh, tap there? You want to get into Blue Island? Yeah, let's do or... it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chip. Take care, Chip. Cheers.
That was Blue Island by Enough's Enough, featuring, of course, uh, our guest Chips Enough. And uh, I, I really enjoyed the, the interview. Mark, you did a great job. Oh, you, uh, you really know what you're talking about when it comes to Enough's Enough. But. Oh, well, thanks. Up until a point. I was a, I was in the fan club back in 1989. I, I was a, a diehard Enough's Enough fan for probably up until about 97, 98, at which point I... I have to admit, I didn't actively follow them quite as much after that point, but I'm totally inspired after talking with Chip tonight. I'm going to go back and listen to all those records that maybe I didn't really give a good listen to, and including the the one that Derek came back for. I need to check that out and give that a good listen. I mean, it's, it's wild. You, you go into like Martin Popoff's book. I may have said this earlier. I don't know. But, you know, the review of uh, Martin Popoff's Collector's Guide to Hard Rock and Heavy Metal, uh, the 90s edition, and he gives, like, every album they put out in the 90s a good review. I mean, they were a solid band and just a great team, Donnie and Chip specifically, who really, you know, wrote most of, if not all, the songs. You know, what, what, a, what a great tune. Uh, I, I, think, I, I think Ricky Parent was, uh, he wrote a couple songs with them too. But uh, anyways, just uh, what a team. And I hope if they do do another Enough's Enough record, just me personally, I'd love to have Donnie V involved with it. I hope he uh, is a part of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, Chip said that he would love for that to happen as well, and uh, I, I would put money that it does happen. Uh, uh, I think that they they will definitely hook up again. Uh, Mark, were you uh, hanging out with Rob and I when, when Enough's Enough was mixing that record no. back in the 90s? I mean, no. I, I think I was hanging out with you guys, but I, I've, I never hung with those guys, no. I yeah, don't you know what, here, remember ever meeting one really. Funny thing is that we were at the China Club once, and um, the they were going to do a jam, and Donnie had asked me if I wanted to play drums on "Come Together," and then I go, uh, you know, by the Beatles, and I know that tune, but I I, I ask him, I go, well, could you you know kind of hum it to me? And he's like, if if you don't know, then you shouldn't play drums on the tune. I mean, he was yeah. just being cool. He was being honest, right. and, right. and uh, so I, I forget what wound up happening, but. Um, yeah, I, I want. I it, we just had a blast. Uh, Mar, uh, Rob uh, Fiore from uh, my group Paisley Babylon, who I, I haven't played with for for a long time, uh, got to be really good friends with Donnie during that time period, and uh, and so we were always hanging out, and uh, you know Chip, Donnie, me, and Rob, and just had a had a fun time. But 
Excellent, excellent. Guys, we've been all over the map musically from protest to hero to enough's enough. But, you know, it's like I always said, there's only one type of music, good music, and that's what we try to feature here on Talking Metal. And I really appreciate Victor and John hanging out with me here tonight. Big thanks to our guests, Will Will Walner, Leather Leone, and Chips Enough. And uh, guys, I hope you have a good week, and I hope we can do it again next week. Definitely. Absolutely. It would be very cool. Please support our sponsors, guys. There's two of them this week. We'll have links up in the show notes for today's episode on TalkingMetal.com. There's other ways to support us, you know, with PayPal donations and using our Amazon links. So, uh, you know, don't forget to support. It is very important especially with these these sponsors they like to see you clicking through the links and using the uh the promo codes they're tracking that so help us out guys we'd appreciate it victor what do you have to take us out tonight we have a band from spain that is on century media a lot of people ask me what type of music is big over here in spain well this is the biggest metal band uh, in Spain, they're cool. going to play in Japan in a few weeks, and they just wrapped up a tour all over Europe with uh, Havoc and uh, another band that slips my mind right now. But the name of the band is Angelus Apatrida. Uh, Century Media just reissued their first two albums, Evil Unleashed and Give Them War. You could pick that up on iTunes because it's the only place that it's available in the States. And this is their... Closer, the name of the track, is Thrash Attack. So furthering what you said, Mark, we're all over the map musically with this episode. Yeah, great. Guys, be sure to check Victor out on MarsAttacksRadio.com. We got TalkingMetal.com for John and myself. If you see John out on the road at any of these signings while he's (laughs) hanging out with Ace, make sure you tell him, hey, Talking Metal, you know, it's great or it sucks or whatever. Just make sure you at least acknowledge (laughs) Talking Metal when you see John. And yep. uh, John's met up with a couple of these Talking Metal listeners. We posted a few weeks back, a month back, uh, John hanging actually with a guy in a Talking Metal T-shirt that showed up to yeah, meet that was very cool. Ace yep. and John. That was kind of that was kind of cool. Yeah. I, I love seeing that. <laughs> it, it's definitely fun. Now, will they ask for Getty Lee? Yeah, there you go. Now maybe they're gonna think. Uh, now, I, guys, I don't really think I look like Getty Lee, but it's it's really funny. Um, maybe I do. Black hair and the kind of rounded glasses. I I think well, Getty Lee does that. Dude, that. there's gotta be. You gotta find. You gotta find the episode it, online somewhere. I can't believe that it would not be posted somewhere I know, online. Me too. I mean, yeah. maybe not. Maybe it's just a local Chicago TV thing. But I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I, you know what it is is I one of the guys that was uh, part of the show had had said he was going to get me a copy of it. Uh, I definitely got to get a copy. What's weird in what's kind of cool is that they like for example like the show will air the night that it happens, but then and they'll have a cut of the show, but then it'll air like several more times. But what's weird is. They they re-edit in between the airings, so like there might be like five different versions of the show. Like maybe like for example, the first wow. one that aired didn't include the jam, but then maybe the second one that aired included the jam. So what, what's even wilder is that there are multiple cuts of the same show because I think the TV show might be like an hour, but like 
we might have been there for, you know, over an hour. And then there were uh, other guests on the show as well. So because, you know, these morning shows, they're like, what, like four hours or something like that. But but uh, but yeah, it was really, really fun. Um, it, it was just a, a good time all around. And cool. uh, and I'm glad you finally got on the man cow show, because if you remember when we were on fuse, when yeah, talking metal was on fuse, that. we were booked as guests on the man cow show. And I like went into fuse at like, you know, six in the morning or some shit yeah, I and sat around until 10 o'clock or I don't know, maybe it was 11 o'clock Chicago time. I'm not sure. I, but I'm sitting there and eventually they were like, oh, sorry, they ran out of time. You've been bumped. And I felt like fuse yeah. may have known that like earlier than they actually told us. And I, I was more, yeah, I was more, ridiculous. I was more pissed at Fuse than I was man cow, to be honest. Right. But uh, and I think the thing that, that bummed me out the yet. most was my dad was listening to the man cow stream live. Oh, and, and he, no. yeah, I wouldn't have even cared, but my dad was listening to the man cow stream on his computer. And I felt like he was all bummed out that, that we didn't end up on the uh, show. So that was, that was why I, I was so pissed. <laughs> I remember that. Um, I remember that I think for some reason I was on my way in or something. And before, like, you got there first and they told you, and then you called me and said the interview's canceled. Yeah, so, actually, know. I think what it was was that. That actually, I don't think we were bumped. I think they, we were bumped, but I think they did it like the day before. They said, oh, by the way, we're not going to have time for them tomorrow. And right. Fuse, instead of calling us and telling us, just didn't even bother and i yeah, I, I like came really all the way ridiculous. into the city at, at a suit at early in the morning have my family listening and then fuse is like oh yeah yeah by the way they uh they canceled they're not gonna be able to do you guys you know which who knows what the i you know who knows why they canceled if they didn't have room right. for us or they they probably got somebody better you know i don't blame right. them you know you can have mark and john on or you can talk to you know one of uh you know the chicago bears or something you know who knows yeah. but it's like it's like i don't blame him but i i was i was upset over it but i think i wasn't really that upset at man cow was more pissed at fused for that. not even yeah. freaking having the decency to tell us we'd been yeah. knocked yeah. you know but yep yeah hey, anyways um, we we were on Howard 100 though at least yes so that was that's true thing. that's yeah, true that we were good. we weren't technically <laughs> interviewed by Howard but we were interviewed right. by one of the Howard 100 uh, reporters I think Ron Howard or something was the guy who who spoke <laughs> with us or maybe I, I don't know those yeah, links are still girl. up there was it okay those links yeah. still exist somewhere I should find yes. those and tweet them out uh, but and, yeah uh, what what else did I want to say um I wanted to give a special thanks to a guy named Ian McCurdy from Boulevard Watches, who, uh, believe it or not, is responsible for the whole Chips Enough and Man Cow thing, uh, because he uh, uh, gave me a, a, a really nice Boulevard Watch uh, at, at one of the conventions and then uh, called me before the Chicago convention, and he was friends with Chip and said, look, Chip would love to have Ace on Man Cow. And Ace had previously been on Man Cow, so, so it all worked out great. So special thanks to Ian for helping set all of this up and uh yeah it was it was a fun thing um yep cool good deal good all right deal. victor let's uh let's get out of here all right so <laughs> let's end things with a little angela sapatrida with thrash attack excellent